Welcome to the All In for Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. This is Ernie Neff, and I'm speaking with Michael Rogers. Michael is the director of the Citrus Research and Education Center at Lake Alfred. Michael, UFIFAS has created a website, a newsletter, and now this podcast for citrus growers. How did this All In for Citrus initiative begin? Well, thanks, Ernie. And the All In for Citrus initiative began earlier this year, and we really kicked it off um, with a presentation by Dr. Jack Payne at the June um, Florida Citrus Mutual Annual Conference in Bonita Springs. Uh, Dr. Payne uh, gave a, an address talking about challenges that the industry was facing. Um, he, he referenced the fact that, you know, our citrus industry has not given up uh, despite all the challenges from HLB. And not only have growers not given up, but the researchers haven't given up either. And so as an industry, you know, he, how he put it was, we're all in this together for the future of the Florida citrus industry. So as, the citru- as a citrus research community, we're working as fast as possible to develop new tools to manage HLB um, so we can provide solutions for HLB uh, for the future. Our goal is, um, in, in IFAS is to provide useful tools that not only keep the industry going in the short term, uh, but also for the long term for our industry. And UF researchers have a long history of doing just that. Um, over this weekend, I was reading an article someone sent to me um, about a research project from the 1960s. And this actually wasn't, wasn't agriculture, but it was a, in a different part of UF um, from our health center. And a, a UF kidney disease specialist, uh, Robert Cade, and some of you all will know where, this, where I'm going with this, the name maybe. Um, but he uh, was doing a project, and he uh, decided to look and employ the help of the Florida Gator football team. And what was happening is with the Gator football team, uh, these guys are out working day in, day out, struggling in the heat, playing, practicing. Um, But they were finding they were having a hard time making it through a practice or even making it through games. In some cases, these these, um, uh, football players were losing 15 to 20 pounds of water weight uh, before the end of the fourth quarter. And sometimes this would result in, in, in massive dehydration and even heat stroke. So working with the Florida football team, uh, Cade uh, developed a drink that we all know now as Gatorade. Um, he got the football team, the players playing are drinking that Gatorade, and saw a huge turnaround in those players. Um, heat stroke fell sharply. Uh, their endurance through four quarters of play and, improved dramatically, and they went on in 1966 to a 9-2 and record, and everybody recognized that something was different about those Florida Gators. Uh, they had an endurance, and they were able to go through four quarters of play. And so that Gatorade drink that was developed by Kate ultimately transformed the sports industry as a whole. Now, making it through any four quarters of a SEC football game is always going to be a struggle in Gatorade or no Gatorade. Um, but Gatorade helped keep those players going, and they played with a, a renewed endurance. And in some ways, I think that's where we are as the Florida citrus industry. Uh, it's fourth quarter for us in many ways in our industry. A lot of growers are having to make tough decisions on whether or not they're going to stay in this game and keep going. And while we don't have a, a single miracle drink that's going to solve all of our problems with HLB, um, we do have new knowledge and tools to keep us going, uh, especially until we get those long-term solutions developed. Um, now, these, these, these new tools are, that we have right now uh, really requires changes in how we grow citrus, things like changing our irrigation and, and fertilization practices, 
how we plant new groves, what we plant. Um, and some practices are still being refined and, and are going to be completely new to the industry. Um, we've talked to growers who've made many of these changes, and there really does in our industry right now, there, there seems to be a renewed sense of optimism. Uh, instead of being beaten down further and further by HLB, um, we see some of the growers are beginning to hold their own. Um, our yields are stabilizing, if not slightly improving. And I think we're all eager to see what could happen with a year or two without any negative hurricane impacts. So while our research on managing HLB has, has been growing very rapidly, um, our communication in IFAS of the research results hasn't been quite as quick. Um, our researchers, we do a great job at developing uh, many things, um, but communicating that to an audience as diverse as the Florida citrus industry uh, isn't quite at the top of the list of the things that we will acknowledge we do great. And, and so that's the reason for this new effort at better communication uh, through our All In for Citrus campaign. Um, we're placing more effort on getting information out through many different methods uh, to reach our citrus clientele around the state. And as Ernie, as you mentioned, we've got the podcast. We've got a monthly IFAS Citrus Teams newsletter, which is going out. Um, and we've also got the new website. Uh, this website is citrusresearch.ifas.ufl.edu. And uh, that website, um, I'll tell you right now, it's still a work in progress, but it does have some useful information on it already. Um, so if folks uh, haven't already looked at it, um, uh, go out to that website. There's links. If you look at the top of the page, there's a link on ongoing research. If you click on that, that tab at the top, it'll actually take you to a page that has 76 different ongoing research projects related to HLB right now. Um, there's not a lot of information on each of the projects yet, but right now you can, you can browse by subject matter, find a topic that's of interest to you, and click on it, and you'll get a general idea of what's going on with that research. And over time, what we're going to be doing is developing each of those into their own web page. So growers can go back and check on those, click on those links and see what the latest information is on a particular project of interest. Uh, so that's one thing that's on the website right now. We've also got uh, at the top of that page, there's a link to presentations uh, where growers can go and see the latest presentations. Right now we have presentations up from Citrus Expo. And so there's more information that will be up on the website in the future. Michael, you made my job easy. Uh, we were going to talk about things. I think you covered virtually everything we were going to discuss. We do have a few seconds left. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, I'll just say that um, just like the growers that are out walking their groves and, and seeing the tragedy in the field that we have right now because of HLB, um, we too as researchers feel the same. Uh, we're not just researchers. Uh, we're citrus researchers. And that's why I think we can say as an industry we're all in for citrus. Michael, I sure hope you come up with Gatorade for citrus growers. I know everybody in UF IFAS uh, on the citrus side is working towards something like that or a complex of solutions, as you mentioned. That do it? Uh, yes. For Southeast Agnet, I'm Ernie Neff. Thanks for joining us. My name is Abby Taylor. I'm sitting with Dr. Morgan, who is the new director of the Southwest Florida Research and Education Center. Let's talk about first just kind of becoming the new center director. Can you talk about why you wanted this position in the first place? Yes, I, I, I've been with IFAS for 29 years, and I've been at, this is my second center uh, within IFAS. Uh, and I have worked at the state level for a number of years now and just wanted to contribute to as far as administration of this center. The faculty here has done a, a great amount of work and great work, and I just want to get that out there and help help them uh, go further in their careers and, and 
get all the information that's possible to the to the growers. All right, perfect. So you're most well known for your work in, in nutritionals, is that correct? Nutrition and irrigation, uh, that's what I've worked on uh, my entire career. So you've been very, you know, known in the industry, very plugged into the industry. So can you talk about how you're going to use your past experiences and your past work to help you out in this new position? Well, I was statewide uh, coordinator of our best management program for IFAS for the last five years. And I uh, stepped down from that when I when I became center director, and we have uh, a new director coming in, our new uh, coordinator. I, I, I used my experience in the past uh, for nutrition and irrigation management and citrus and vegetables and, and contributed to the statewide program. And I want that type of coordination here at the center to bring the faculty together, work on projects uh, as a group, uh, and then get that information out to the to the uh, our clientele, which is the growers. So um, what are some of your main goals as the new center director? You mentioned a lot about trying to get these um, this kind of information directly to the growers. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, we've, we've had here at the center, we've, we've had a quarterly newsletter that goes out. And, and in that newsletter, we've tried to summarize some of the work being done here. We spotlight different programs to, to let, the, let our clientele know what's going on here. What I've done uh, just the six weeks since, since I took over is uh, we've, we've made that a, a two-week, one-page uh, newsletter. So we're, we're putting information out there every two weeks. We have a, a short story, a summary of um, some of our, our uh, programs here. We have a link to a, a much longer story. A uh, much longer uh, report on that, and then we have uh, all of the upcoming events at the center over the, the next month, uh, with links to agenda and registration and things like that. So we're trying to do a much better job of keeping the growers informed about what we do, and and getting that information out to the growers. We've also uh, developed uh, an, an annual report for the center. I was asked by some of our growers, some of our uh, uh, advisory committees that they wanted to know more about what our faculty is doing. So we we took some of the information that our faculty has to come up with for their annual uh, evaluations, and that's number of publications and grants and uh, work that they've done, uh, things that they do with the growers. And I, we summarized that for each of the faculty member, and we put in uh, uh, some of the, the goals of the, of the center into a report and we're going to do that every year send that out to the clientele so they have a better idea of what's going on here then the overall goal is to have more programs coming out of the center we've always cooperated with our extension colleagues uh, to to conduct meetings for growers but we want to do more as far as having large workshops and field days here at the center to get that information out Let's talk about the citrus program here at Swift Rec. Um, what are some strengths that you see in that program already? Well, we have we have a great uh, number of good faculty. Uh, just in the last few years, we we've doubled our facu- faculty in the last two years from uh, six to thirteen. Uh, most of it's oriented towards citrus. We have uh, physiologists now, uh, pathologists. Uh, the pathologist is working strictly for uh, uh, on. Uh, on citrus, we have uh, 
Phil Stansley, our entomologist, just passed away uh, last week. Uh, we're, we're going to be uh, getting a replacement for him. Uh, no one can replace Phil, but uh, you know we'll find someone that will try. And hopefully we may eventually even have one that works only on citrus and one that works only on vegetables, as we do our pathologists. We have a citrus pathologist and a vegetable pathologist. So we feel that this... Along with our physiologist, our soil microbiologist, uh, economist, uh, horticulture, we we have a, a whole uh, range of of activities, a range of uh, cl- of specialties that will help the growers through this this problem we have with greening. Kind of looking towards the future of the citrus program, you have a lot of great goals of making this center be more plugged in with your growers. So can you just give a comment on you know what you want the future of the citrus program to look like going forward? Well, I've had discussions with uh, the new uh, COO of, of the Citrus Research and Development Foundation. Um, he, he, it turns out he's a, a, a guy that I've known for a long time. And we've had some very good conversations about having more on-farm uh, demonstration-type projects. We've done uh, both both in Immokalee and Lake Alfred, as well as some in Fort Pierce. We've, we've, we've done a lot of work uh, to to understand more about the disease, you know, how to control the psyllids, how to manage the nutrition involved, and that seems to be a very key, uh, very key component of greening is you have to have the proper nutrition. So, so we, we've looked at all of those things kind of independently, and what we've talked about is to, is to come together, try to bring in a lot of these components into a, a production system that growers can use uh, and demonstrate that on the, the growers' fields. So that I'm looking forward to. And whether it's through uh, CRDF or here at the center alone, that's where, where I want to take that, take our programs. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on this month's podcast, Dr. Morgan. We appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. For Southeast Agnet, I'm Abby Taylor. This is Ernie Neff. I'm speaking with Lauren Diepenbrock. She is Assistant Professor of Entomology at the Citrus Research and Education Center in Lake Alfred. Lauren, please tell us a little about the process of making the Citrus Production Guide, and maybe a little of the history about that. Um, the Citrus Production Guide originally was a pest management guide, uh, at least as old as the 80s, because that's as far as I can find a copy. Um, so it's been around for a while, but with a focus on pest management, so the bugs. And a few years back, they realized, especially with citrus screening, that there's a lot more we need to manage. So they've morphed it into a citrus production guide, where we have horticulture, plant pathology, and entomology and nematology. So it's a whole beginning to end. We have information on picking your rootstock and your scion, all the way through how you manage pests pests and pathogens seasonally, um, and all the way to the very end where we have to think about pesticide residue limits and what you need to be aware of when you're getting ready to sell your fruit. What are you hoping Florida's citrus growers will get out of this new production guide? Um, so we're hoping that they'll gain the knowledge they need to be productive and profitable. It's been a rough couple of years for Florida citrus production, so the, the goal now is how can we help our growers create a better crop? And we've added a lot of information about nutrition, root health, cold, cold protection, um, just a lot more information to help them manage and have a profitable season, or hopefully, hope, hopefully a profitable future. 
you know, when HLB first hit the first few years, people were kind of looking for the silver bullet. They've kind of realized now there's not going to be a silver bullet, and we need this sort of integrated approach like the production guide addresses, correct? Yes, we do. Um, for the first couple of years, the focus was really on killing the psyllid because the psyllid's the vector of the disease. But now we realize a lot more that, yes, the psyllid is the vector, but we've had problems where we've, we've gained insect insecticide-resistant uh, insect populations in certain areas, and that's an active area of research and monitoring. And some researchers have actually found that adding specific nutrients actually helps the trees perform despite having HLB. And so there's current research to really quantify what nutrients we need to add and what quantities and how we need to adjust our nutrient profiles to, to maintain our trees. And those that kind of new information as it comes on, I trust, will show up in new guides as they come out. Yes, they will. We update this guide every year. So this was the 2018-2019 edition. Um, next summer, you will see the 2019-2020 edition, and we will have more information, hopefully, on nutrient additions and on root health. <clears throat> We're looking to add a chapter in the next year to two years on soil health. Um, there's a, a couple of researchers who are really looking into both the biotic and the abiotic, so the living and non-living factors of soil that are important for for our roots to grow for these trees. And so we're hoping that they will have enough data in the f- next few years to write a chapter for us. Where can growers access the guide? I assume online and in hard copy, but I'll let you tell us that, please. They can get a copy from any of the research sta- uh, research stations, and they can also talk to their local citrus extension agent, or they can go through the, our website, the Citrus Research and Education Center. We have a link through our extension page. We're, we're currently in the co- process of updating our website, so things are a little jumbled. So the direct link is crec.ifis.edu <clears throat> slash extension slash pest slash, and if, if that's hard to find they can also email any of us and we can send them the link too we will update this every year and we ufi for scientists are making new discoveries every year correct yeah we are um, we're learning a lot like i said about insecticide resistance and how we can manage those populations that we found are resistant we're learning about how to manage the nutrients in our groves to maintain tree health and we're learning about how different rootstocks might be better at, at supporting trees despite having HLB. So there's a lot of information that we learn each year. And you know, we, we like to have a couple of years of data before we make a solid recommendation so we feel comfortable with it. Excellent. And Lauren, you're pretty new here. We Tell us a little bit. You just came on board and kind of took all this over, correct? Yes, I started mid-May. I inherited this position from um, our station director, actually, um, Dr. Michael Rogers. And before this, I was working on spotted wing drosophila management in berry crops in North Carolina. So that was my postdoctoral position for four years. And uh, before that, I was in Missouri, and I worked in tall grass prairie systems studying predatory lady beetles. (laughs) So do you enjoy working on this cross-section approach other than being an entomologist strictly? Um, Yeah, I I have a lot of fun with this um, in part because I really enjoy the integrated pest management aspect. Um, I'm an insect ecologist by training, so taking ecology into production fields for me is a lot of fun. And I think it's really nice to actually be able to apply your knowledge and have a usable output to help grow food. That 
I didn't know I could do that as a student. So it was really neat to find that out as a postdoc, that I could do the science I love and also help promote healthy food production. Anything you'd like to add about the production guide or anything else in this process to help citrus growers? Well, in terms of the production guide, we want it to be a usable living document that is useful to growers. So if they have suggestions of things that they'd like to see in the future, topic areas they think we need to hit harder, they can shoot me an email and let me know. We're happy to have the feedback. And then it also helped us think about what we can make better for future iterations. And, of course, as always on anything, they could let their extension agents know, citrus extension agents as well, correct? Absolutely. We have a a constant line of communication with the agents, so they will be in touch with all the uh, researchers if it's topic appropriate, and some of them do research with us, so that's really nice, too. For Southeast AgNet, I'm Ernie Neff. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Abby Taylor, and I'm here with Fernando Alvarez, a citrus horticulturalist located at the UF-IVIS Southwest Florida Research and Education Center. First off, can you just talk about what HBRs are for those who might not know and why you started studying their potential impacts in citrus? Brassinosteroids are a a group of relatively new, newly discovered hormones that have been approved in the last 15, 20 years to to have several impacts on on different plants. Most recently, in in the last 5 to 10 years, uh, they have got some some studies on crops of interest for for humans, and we have seen that there are uh, some effects on, on, for example, fruit maturation, uh, resistance to disease in, in plants. Last year in, in the HLB meeting that was held in, in Orlando, a group of, of Cuban researchers from University of Havana and other research institutes in, in Cuba, uh, they, they presented a research study showing that uh, brassinosteroids may help citrus trees to cope with uh, HLB. Uh, the results were really, really striking and, and was like too good to be true. Uh, so we decided to repeat this, res- uh, this, this study in our conditions here in Florida. So how long have you been working on this research? Uh, now we are in the first nine months okay, of the so study. So we started in December, January. So what are some of the main preliminary findings that you have so far? We haven't seen yet a reduction in, in, in bacteria titer in the, in the plant or a reduction in infection. But we, we got some results that we didn't expect at the beginning. For example, we found that the flushing is advanced, blooming is also advanced by around 10 days as compared to non-treated plants. We found also that fruit coloration is, is also advanced. And we found that, that we have in, in new leaves, we have more chlorophyll and more photosynthesis. And the most important thing for me is that at the the end of the growing season, we had a 20% increase in in yield, fruit yield. Perfect. All right. So um, are you continuing your research? And if so, for how long? Yes, we are continuing the research uh, at least for one more year. So we are now 
in year two, and we are doing some other things. So at the at the beginning, what we did in in our first year was to treat uh, adult trees. They were six between six year and eight year old trees. We couldn't uh, treat uh, younger trees, two year old trees, basically because because Irma uh, ripped off our greenhouses so we lost that part of the experiment right. but this year what we are doing is not only in the greenhouse but also we planted new small trees they are around one year and a half trees and in this case we are treating them from the beginning these are not productive trees yet but is actually what the Cubans did in the in the in the original study. They they treated uh, uh, small younger trees. So one of the hypotheses that we have is is that 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 these uh, younger trees probably will respond better to the chemical to the brassinosteroid. So we are doing that this year too. So how is this project funded? Did you guys get a grant? or? Yes, uh, we got a grant from the UFIFAS Citrus Initiative Research. Okay. So why does this research matter to growers and like what kind of benefits could this bring to growers or the industry as a whole in the future? Still, the, the data, as I told you, is preliminary, but if we are able to to show that even though we cannot avoid the infection or the or the bacteria population in the tree, if we are able to show that we can have an increase in yield, for example, as we did last year of 20%, that's important. And and also if we can manipulate a flushing and blooming with this product, uh, that can be of interest for for the growers because because one of the things that we have seen is that we produce more uniform bloom and and and, and more abundant and one of the things that happen with with uh, HLB is that the the blooming is is erratic and and not as abundant uh, as before so so we can have that that will be of good benefit for growers because that will translate in 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 better yield at the end okay great so lastly any growers that want to just kind of keep up with this research as it continues where can they find any you know other results or could they just contact you how would they find that information yes we they can contact us and, and we are happy to collaborate with them and at this moment we have we have only a, our research going on here in southwest florida and in crc but but we are open to work with this with this product in 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 their groups also if, if they are interested for southeast agnet i'm abby taylor Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. 